Good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. There's some basic things about conflict in the Middle East that everybody should realize. Um, And that is that in 1948, the United Nations had a partition plan that had territory for the Jews and for Arabs. The Arabs rejected the plan. The Jews accepted the plan. The day after the Jews declared independence and uh, had legal title to that property, the five surrounding Arab nations declared war on Israel. Okay, So don't forget, this was a hostile situation from the beginning. None of the nations that declared war on uh, Israel accepted even Israel's right to exist as a nation-state. Okay. At that time, they expected the elimination of Israel as a nation-state. Now, things have changed over the years, and because we hear so much conflict, we might forget that some positive things happened. In 1979, uh, Anwar Sadat, Egypt's president, signed a peace treaty with Israel that had been negotiated at Camp David. Uh, he and Menachem Begin uh, worked this out with Jimmy Carter, and so that you know, they became the uh, first of the Arab nations to show full recognition of the Jewish state. You had Jordan on October 26th of 1994. King Hussein of Jordan and Israeli Prime Minister Yitzhak Rabin established peace during a ceremony witnessed by Bill Clinton, U.S. president. It came a year after the Oslo Peace Accords between Israel and the Palestinian Liberation Organization. And then on September 15th of 2020, uh, President Trump, together with Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, signed agreements with Bahrain's foreign minister. Uh, so Morocco, on December 10th of 2020, with the help of the United States um, and Israel, uh, Morocco agreed to establish full diplomatic and trade relations with Israel. And Sudan was part of the Abraham Accords, although they haven't finalized the normalization treaty with Israel. So, you know, this is over a generation, uh, nations that were on record formally calling for the elimination of Israel as a nation state. Uh, We have a number of them now acknowledging that uh, Israel has a right to exist, and let's get on with the discussion. That's positive. Uh, It's slow, but it's positive. Something else happened I came across earlier today. Back after 9-11, we had a guest named Dor Gold, who was a relatively frequent guest. He was uh, a representative uh, ambassador to the United Nations. Israel sent him to the United Nations. He was well-established. He did his doctoral work uh, on... Saudi Arabia, and published a book called Hatred's Kingdom, How Saudi Arabia Supports the New Global Terrorism. And it was, a, it was a great book. It was a lot of work, and he was a great guest. Well, I came across earlier today uh, a statement that Dorgold just made, and I'm thumbing through here trying to make sure I have it. Uh, and what... Uh, Yeah, here it is. This was issued in September of this year. He um, said that we're celebrating, once again, the 9-11 attacks on the United States. 
And those of us who have been professionally involved in the study of the Middle East were shocked to learn at the time that the vast majority of the terrorists who flew hijacked aircraft into the World Trade Center and into the Pentagon back then did not come from Lebanon or Libya or Syria, but from the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, which was had at that point never been associated with international terrorism. So across the world, many tried to understand the source of the rage that motivated the operation, and uh, he discovered that in Saudi Arabia there were huge multinational charities propagating a movement representing an extreme form of Islam known in the West by the name of its 18th century founder, Muhammad, Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab. Uh, and there were a number of these charities. Uh, fast forward now. Uh, he published his book, Hatred's Kingdom, became a New York Times bestseller. And uh, fast forward now to 2023, and what do we learn? That Dor Gold now says that the central thesis of his book, In Hatred's Kingdom, How Saudi Arabia Supports the New Global Terrorism, is now wrong. And you say, what, what are you talking about? How would you know this? Well, again, uh, he's able to monitor Saudi money. It, how much Saudi money is now going to Hamas? It appears that Saudi Arabia is not giving a dime to any of the terrorist organizations. Today, the main countries funding Hamas are the Islamic Republic of Iran and uh, Qatar, or Qatar. What about the propagation of extremist ideologies? Well, back in 2001, the Muslim World League, headquartered in Mecca, was spreading the ideology that supported this new wave of global terror. And its membership had refugees from Arab states, those who had been part of the uh, Muslim Brotherhood. Yet today, the same Muslim World League has issued the Charter of Mecca. This was in 2019, based on interreligious tolerance rather than jihad. A year later, its secretary general took a delegation to Auschwitz. We are clearly in a different world. He points to Mohammed bin Salman, MBS, the crown prince in Saudi Arabia, as somebody making important reforms, reshaping key elements of Saudi Arabia. The religious police, for instance, up in the 2020 were harassing Saudi citizens. In 2020, MBS curbed their powers. He also established a new city called Niam near the Gulf of Aqaba that requires international cooperation. Uh, he goes on to make you know, many, many other statements of change in Saudi Arabia. And I think for all the n negative news that we get, uh, especially immediately now with the Hamas attack October 7th, it's important to keep in mind that there's still other activity going on in the Middle East. Um, Iranian armed forces are really creating great trouble. Um, the Western powers originally created NATO, you know, to bring together former enemies. And uh, today we have a collective challenge. We've got Iran and its proxies that are trying to reestablish Persian power in the framework of a new renewed empire there. And that would bring Iranian armed forces into most of Afghanistan as well as Iraq and to large parts of Syria. So, again, to have Saudi Arabia there definitely opposed to Iran. And before this uh, Hamas attack, 
there was quite a bit of conversation, even smiles coming from uh, Benjamin Netanyahu and MBS, that uh, relations were warming between Israel and Saudi Arabia. Unfortunately, uh, Saudi Arabia did not condemn uh, Hamas, and uh, he, they went along with pretty much the, most of the other Arab nations. Two United Arab Emirates in Bahrain did condemn Hamas. But I do think, again, um, it's important to keep in mind that this is a very, um, uh, very, it's not all about politics. It's about culture. And it's clear that uh, Saudi Arabia is making an important effort to change the culture there. They're extraordinarily wealthy. Uh, it's not in their best interest uh, to be working in a geopolitical environment in which disaster could come at any moment because of global terrorism. So, I, you know, you can say all you want about what potential motives are here, but at the very least, what we know is they want to... Look, business always wants a stable environment, and Saudi Arabia is doing great business. And so they want stability, and they are a point of stability for us. It used to be, <clears throat> maybe you don't remember this, but it used to be that Iran was the source of stability for us in the Middle East, Israel and Iran. I can remember President Carter toasting the Shah of Iran. Uh, and a year later, the Shah of Iran was basically run out of town. And then we had, of course, the hostage crisis in Iran. And we haven't, uh, we haven't gotten over that yet, really. Uh, should mention, too, that we've got uh, a call from Pope Francis. He's asking us and everyone who desires peace the world over to participate in a day of prayer, fasting, and penance coming up Friday, October 27th, so it's right around the corner. And uh, let's see, he actually is posted here. Let's see exactly what he said. Uh, It's always fun to read the exact words. Here it is. I have decided to declare Friday, 27 October, a day of fasting, penance, and prayer. Uh, I invite the various Christian confessions, members of other religious, and all who hold the cause of peace in the world at heart to participate. He went on, lay down weapons and heed the cries for peace from the poor, the people, and the innocent children. War solves no problems. Uh, It only sows death and destruction, increases hatred, multiplies revenge. War erases the future. It erases the future. And then he went on to again direct the faithful to take no side in the present conflict, but take the side of peace and to do so with prayer and total dedication, and then called for prayer on October 27th, this Friday. He himself will preside over a holy hour at 6 p.m. from St. Peter's Square. So, uh, again, hearing from uh, Pope Francis, uh, you know, prayer, that is one of the things that we really do have to offer the world. And when there's big geopolitical problems like this we well I anyways am interested in the details that's fine but the details aren't worth much if you aren't you might say lubricating the situation with prayer I'm Al Cresta stay with me we've got more coming up <laughs> 